The following episode can be viewed on the YouTube channel Bernie or Bust Television. Yes, Virginia, there is a class war. David Brooks, good morning. USA, good morning. And welcome to another episode of the Bernie or Bust Show. New York Times is waging war against the American worker. All of us proletariat types, they are trying to put us back in our places. I guess we're getting a little out of hand. The Bernie Sanders Fallacy by David Brooks. Condescending asshole. Mark my words. I've said that before. This is going to be the beginning of something that he can't put back in the bottle. And the New York Times can't put back in the bottle. And the oligarchy can't put back in the bottle. And Obama world. And the Clinton machine. And Hollywood and Washington Post, and CNN, Clinton News Network, MSDNC. Now, this is class warfare. It's time to rumble. We've been in our cages for a long time. It's time to rattle them, and then it's time to open them, and it's time to walk out free. The Bernie Sanders fallacy. This is a golden age for theism. This is the belief that there is some malevolent elite, they, out there, and they are destroying life for the rest of us. Let's just do a little history here, Mr. Brooks. Just a little history on um, feudalism, or a little history on slavery, or indentured servitude. The king has always had the land, and the peasants have always worked the land. There has always been a they. Mr. Brooks, there has always been an us. And you're either a they or you're an us. And by the way you've written this article, it looks like you consider yourself to be they. Methinks thou dost protest too loudly. There is Donald Trump's culture war theism. And he's tapping into something real, by the way. The coastal cultural elites hate genuine Americans, undermining our values and opening our borders. And there is Bernie Sanders' class war theism. The billionaires have rigged the economy to benefit themselves and impoverish everyone else. And just to be honest, Mr. Brooks, there's truth in both. Donald Trump is a charlatan. He's a con man. But... What he says about fake news is certainly true, and what you're writing here is certainly fake news. It's propaganda, pure and simple. You want the American worker to go back onto the assembly lines, back into the warehouses, refrigerated warehouses, back into the nursing profession, into the social worker profession, into the trucking profession, into all of the very difficult grinding jobs that you wouldn't want to do. You just want to make sure that somebody does those jobs. Otherwise, you might have to. Each of these stories takes a genuine tension in society and blows it up into an all-explaining cartoon in which one part of America is trying to destroy the other part. 
The GOP has been swallowed by Trump's culture war, and many Democrats seem to be rushing to join Sanders' class war. I'm not a Democrat, Mr. Brooks. I used to be a Democrat. Now, the Democrats aren't going to be able to contain all of this energy. The Democrat Party is going to blow up because they're trying to get Amy Klobuchar and Elizabeth Warren to be president, which is a pure ploy on their part, a cultural war ploy on their part to get us to, to, to bring us all to heel. These Democrats, and again, most of us are independents, are doing this even though it's political suicide. What's going to happen, Mr. Brooks, is that the oligarchs are going down and their sycophantic cronies are going down. That's you, in case you didn't know. Class war progressivism always loses to culture war conservatism because swing voters in the Midwest care more about their values. Guns? Hey, you know, speaking of guns, with people like you around, it people propping up the government, the tyrannical government, our government is as tyrannical now as when we were dumping tea in the Boston Harbor. We're facing the same oligarchs now, only before they were called monarchs. Now they're called oligarchs, but it's the same kind of people. It's time to start dumping tea again. Now, I'm not talking about guns specifically, but I could see I, I want all of our children to be safe. I want innocents to be safe. But there are a lot of innocent workers who carry guns around. And you would just assume they didn't, I think. How's that for a progressive value? Patriotism. Patriotism is sorely needed right now. And then the other signaling topics that you have here listed, they're just shiny objects that we get waved in front of us that will distract us from the class war that really is at issue. It is a class war, and we all need to fight it together. Country people, city people, and even suburban people who are comfortable. We all need to fight this war together because they'll come after all of us sooner or later. Right now, our tyrannical, oppressive government run by tyrannical, oppressive central bankers and hedge fund managers is killing all of us. One. 12-hour day at a time, or if you're a trucker, 16-hour day. Democrats are doing this even though the Sanders class war story is wrong. Sanders starts with the truth. Workers need more bargaining power as they negotiate wages with their employers, but then he blows this up into an all-explaining ideology. Capitalism is a system of exploitation in which capitalist power completely dominates worker power. This ideology crashes against the facts. In the first place, over the past few years, wages for workers toward the bottom of the income stream have been rising faster than wages for those toward the top. If the bosses have the workers by the throat, how can this be happening? Let me explain something here. What most working class Americans possess is nothing like true freedom. They are kept just comfortable enough so that they will continue to serve as cogs in the machinery but their productivity has been harnessed in the same way as has the productivity of those lower down in the pecking order who work 40 or more hours per week and yet still must apply for public assistance. Using data by the US BLS, the average productivity per American worker has increased approximately 400% since 1950. 
The productivity of the labor force has increased dramatically, but wages have been uncoupled from that productivity, starting at around the Nixon era. From top to bottom, from the highest paid to the lowest paid wage earners, those who actually work, we receive a meager fraction of the true fruits of our labor. Our wages adjusted for inflation are nothing like 400% higher than they were in 1950. The number of hours we work per week is nothing like 400% lower than in 1950. The American dream is predicated on the bedrock principle that hard work pays off. We have been taught to believe that A, the harder a person works, B, the more skill and talent a person possesses, and C, the more ability a person has to work well with others, the more success each such person ought to be able to enjoy. That's what the concept of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness means to most Americans. Most people who want to make America great again would probably accept that definition. So even if wages at the bottom of the income stream have been going up, they're nothing like 400% higher, and to catch up they should probably be 800% higher. Might mean that your wages should come down a little bit. Second, wages are still generally determined by skills and productivity. For example, Edward Lazier of Stanford University finds that between 1989 and 2017, productivity in most high-skill industries rose by roughly 34%, and wages rose by 26%. Productivity in industries with mostly less-skilled workers rose by 20%, while wages grew by 24%, when they should have grown by 400%, you still have the peasants outworking the fields for the masters. As Michael Strain of the American Enterprise Institute puts it, capitalism is doing what it's supposed to do. Yeah, it's supposed to keep all of the workers, white collar, blue collar, doesn't matter what color shirt you're wearing, keeps all of the workers doing what they're supposed to be doing at a fraction of their productivity, at a fraction of what they're actually producing. It's rewarding productivity with pay, yeah, see, your whole argument breaks down when you consider that we're 400% more productive collectively than we were in 1950. All of your arguments fall apart. All of your facts are worthless when you consider it that way. Third, and most important, most of the increase in earnings inequality has happened between companies not within them. As John Van Rienen of MIT has found, all over the world, superstar businesses are racing ahead of their competitors. Well, isn't that nice? Do their employees get all that money or do their stockholders get all that money? As those companies grow more productive, they earn more profit per employee and pay their workers more? No, no, that's a lie. They don't pay their workers more. Companies that can't match that productivity don't and their workers lag behind. This is all wannabeism. This is all people waiting for their ship to come in. Potentially, people could have higher wages if those wages were given to them. That's potentially, but that's not what happens. Where is that 400%, Mr. Brooks? It's not in my pocket. A recent Brookings Institution Chumir Foundation report also notes that there is a growing productivity gap between superstar companies and everybody else. Oh, like Jeff Bezos. I guess he's a superstar company. This, a lot of these superstar companies probably have workers on public assistance, workers working 40 hours a week, workers who have children, workers who ration their insulin. 
Whether it is in tech, retail, manufacturing, utilities, or services, productivity growth at the leading companies in each industry has remained very strong. Yeah, those productive businesses are capturing larger and larger market shares. Yeah, and their stockholders are happy too. But productivity is not growing fast among the lagging companies. Workers in those businesses suffer. Dude, I don't know if you've noticed, but workers in all businesses are suffering if you consider that they're not getting that 400% increase in their productivity. All of Reagan's job creators are getting it. And they're sycophantic suck-ups like you. Today's successful bosses are doing what they should be doing. <laughs> Snapping that whip. Increasing productivity, growing their businesses, and offering great service. Yeah, at whose expense? They're offering you great service. But somebody's doing those jobs that give you that service. And they're not getting treated well. A side effect of their efficiency is they spend a smaller share of their revenue on labor even while raising their workers' wages. Yeah, those are the spreadsheet jockeys. In a global information age economy, the rewards for being best are huge. Those rewards are huge, but who gets them, dude? Thus, the core problem is not capitalists exploiting their workers. No, it's the rise of productivity inequality. It's the companies and individuals who don't have the skills to take advantage of new technologies. No, asshole. It's the people at the top snapping the whip who won't share their workers' productivity with them. The real solution, therefore, let's hear this is not class war to hammer successful businesses. No, no, we don't want to hammer Jeff Bezos by all means. It's to boost and expand productivity for everybody else. You know what would expand everybody else? You're worried about productivity like a spreadsheet jockey. Why not just give them more money? Why not give them a reasonable living wage? Why not pay for their health insurance? Why not make sure that they're not needing to ration their insulin? Let's hear this. That's done the old-fashioned way. The real solution is not class war. It's done the old-fashioned way by having better schools and better vocational training. Hey, let's talk about schools for a minute. I'm a teacher. You know what schools are producing now? Obedient workers. People just smart enough to operate the machines, read the instruction manuals, people who don't question authority, People who don't appreciate beauty, people who don't know literature, people who don't know art, people who don't know how to spend leisure time because they don't have any. That's what education is designed to produce now, obedient workers. So when you talk about better education, that's what you're talking about. Better vocational training, that's what you're talking about. Then we can have more competitive markets by creating incentives to expand investment by making sure superstar businesses don't use lobbyists to lock in their advantage. Well, without repealing Citizens United, that's not going to happen. And you don't want it to happen. Let's just be very clear. You don't want it to happen. You want them to lock in their advantages. You want them to build a moat so that mom and pop businesses can't have any leg up. But if you want to deal with our real problems, dude, you don't care about real problems. You don't have real problems. If you want to care about real problems, then you need to start talking about Bernie Sanders. You need to 
start talking about somebody who actually cares about people's real problems and actually wants to solve them. You're afraid of us, the us-them warfare. You're saying stop the us-them warfare and start dealing with productivity inequality. That's what we're doing. And we need to get to the root of the problem. The 1% of the 1%. Successful executives, successful executives are doing what's best for their companies, gathering as much talent as they can. This isn't evil. It's not exploitation. Uh, you just stay in your echo chamber, buddy. They're doing what's best for their shareholders. They're not doing what's best for their employees. If you say that they're doing what's best for their companies, you mean shareholders. The job of public policy is to make it easier for everybody to do what successful people are doing. Productivity is the key to national prosperity. National prosperity for whom? Every time we increase productivity for one person, we all thrive a little more together, says Margaret Thatcher and Ronald Reagan. All of this trickle-down stuff. Yeah, it's just rain and I can just feel it. Okay, let's move on to Mr. Wall Street, Obama himself. After failing to prosecute bankers, Obama cashes in with Wall Street speeches. The former president is reportedly raking in $400,000 per speech to massive financial firms. Nice legacy, dude. Nice. Look at that guy. Does he want us to get our 400% increase in productivity? New York Times. In a break with convention, the editorial board has chosen to endorse two separate Democratic candidates for president. I wonder if one of them could be Bernie Sanders. Amy Klobuchar and Elizabeth Warren. Two elitists. Two people who will protect Wall Street's shareholders. The Democrats' best choices for president. What about the independents' best choices for president? American voters must choose between three sharply divergent visions of the future. The incumbent president, Donald Trump, is clear about where he is guiding the Republican Party, white nativism at home and America first unilateralism abroad, brazen corruption, escalating culture wars, a judiciary stacked with ideologues and the veneration of a mythological past where the hierarchy in American society was defined and unchallenged. Wow, a lot of that sounds like Joe Biden. Where the hierarchy in American society was defined and unchallenged. On the Democratic side, an essential debate is underway between two visions that may define the future of the party and perhaps the nation and perhaps the world. If you haven't noticed, the world is burning and a lot of people are piling into the streets with picket signs and pitchforks. Some in the party view President Trump as an aberration and believe that a return to a more sensible America is possible. Then there are those who believe that President Trump was a product of political and economic systems so rotten that they must be replaced. The Democratic primary contest is often portrayed as a tussle between moderates and progressives. To some extent, that's true. But when we spent significant time with the leading candidates, the similarity of their platforms on fundamental issues became striking. Nearly any of them would be the most progressive president in decades. Okay, so here's lesser evilism. I'm not going to finish this. I'm going to let you finish this. I might tackle it on another day. 
But what I want to explain is the New York Times is the enemy. The New York Times is part of the they that Mr. Brooks was so upset about. The they that we're noticing now. The New York Times is manufacturing consent using propaganda. And they're trying to get us to believe, us peasants, us, us workers, us proletariat types, they're trying to get us to believe that we should shut up and get back to work. And we should not pile into the streets and we should not engage in any kind of a culture war right now. Everything's fine. Let's just go back to the way things were. Biden, Klobuchar, Warren, Buttigieg, any of them would be a whole lot more progressive than what we've had so far. But the thing is, if any of them were elected, they would use incrementalism to keep things just as they have been. That's even Joe Biden's strategy. That's his his talking point. He says we need to go back to the way things were. So does Donald Trump. And they're both saying the same thing. Let's just make America white again. Let's just make America comfortable again, but comfortable for the right sorts of people. And Bernie says, no, let's make it comfortable for all of us. And that 400% productivity is in the bank. And Bernie knows it's there. And Bernie wants to tap it. And the rich people don't like that idea. They don't want Bernie to tap that 400% increase in productivity and make life better for all of us. They want to keep it in their own pockets. They want to keep the American workers just smart enough to operate the machinery and keep their fucking mouths shut. That's what they want from us. AOC says Dow's record high is meaningless for many Americans. For whom is it not meaningless? Shareholders. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez argued a record high for the Dow Jones Industrial Average, a benchmark index of 30 blue-chip stocks, including Apple, Nike, and Disney, underlines the problem of stagnant U.S. wages and the wealth gap between investors and salaried workers in a tweet on Sunday. The Dow soars, wages don't, the New York Congresswoman commented on an NBC News tweet about the index passing the 29,000 mark for the first time. Inequality in a nutshell. Ocasio-Cortez was probably referring to the widening gap between U.S. stock market gains and wage growth in recent years. The Dow surged 22% in 2019, but wage growth, according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, rose just 2.9% in the 12 months to December. My figures from before, the 400% increase in productivity that we are not putting in our own pockets is according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. Stagnant U.S. wages have puzzled many economists given unemployment has plunged to its lowest levels in more than 50 years. I can just picture those puzzled economists. Hmm, I wonder why the workers aren't putting more of their productivity in their own pockets. Hmm, maybe it's greed. President Donald Trump frequently touts the rising U.S. stock market as evidence of a booming economy and a boon for all Americans. However, Ocasio-Cortez has repeatedly downplayed the relevance of stock market gains to salaried workers who don't own stocks. The stock market is not the economy, she tweeted in February 2018. Stocks aren't jobs. Stocks aren't wages. That's why stock prices can go up and normal people still won't feel any more secure about their future, she added. So now on to an interesting point. If you want to be part of the revolution, if you want to take back that 400% and put it in your pockets, 
What you need to do is not simply vote blue. And even voting Bernie isn't going to help if they take away the nomination from him. Bernie is riding a wave of popular support. He's surging in the polls. If you want Bernie to get his rightful shot at the presidency, then you need to do more than just vote for him in the primaries, even though that would be wonderful. We need to unrig the system, and Bernie or bust is the way to unrig the system. They didn't pay attention to us last time, and they have Donald Trump. They, Democrat-leaning voters, need to pay attention this time. This is a Facebook group I applied for with my page, Bernie or Bust Television, and this is the reply I received. Hi, Southampton Roads for Bernie here. The admins of our page do not support the or bust movement at this time. We allow some very limited posting about it by individuals before they are put in moderation. <laughs> that sounds like fascism. They are put in moderation. The name of your group precludes its joining. We are an Our Revolution chapter. Oh, you've got a real revolution going there. And join with Bernie in calling for increased voter turnout. That's another way to say we are sheepdogs. We want to sheepdog people into the corrupt Democratic Party. And then when they cheat Bernie, we'll have all their votes, or 80% of them, maybe, if it's similar to the 2016 elections, we'll have their votes for our corrupt party. That's what sheepdogs say. And they will tell the sheepdogs, once they get them in there, to vote blue no matter who, after the rigged system cheats Bernie again. Your movement, Bernie or Bust television movement, may have the opposite effect. Well, look, if you want to increase voter turnout just so you can put them in your corrupt Democratic Party, maybe that's not a good idea. So maybe increased voter turnout is only a good thing if it's an increased voter turnout for progressivism as opposed to neoliberalism, because our neoliberal masters have oppressed us for a long time, and we want to get out from under their thumbs. So, so maybe your revolution isn't really a revolution. Just saying. Here's a memorandum from Victor Tiffany that the people in that Facebook group should read. To political pundits everywhere. Now, the, the group moderators are not political pundits, but they are people who are steering things, and they do also need to hear this message from Victor Tiffany, co-founder of Revolt Against Plutocracy. And he wants to tell you about Trump swing voters, Sanders to Trump swing voters. We are convinced, and no polling analyst has yet to take issue with our conclusion, that the Sanders-Trump swing voters will once again swing the election this year toward Trump if Senator Sanders is not the nominee. These folks are not Bernie or Bust, regardless of the Washington Examiner's April 2019 claim. And this is a memorandum that I can link to so that you can click on this and, and read it for yourselves. These voters who tell pollsters they plan to repeat the Sanders primary vote and Trump general election vote are a story that no one in the media is telling. Ask the analysts we've consulted regarding these swing voters, Nate Silver, Rachel Bitkoffer, Brian Schaffner, Mark Blumenthal, Bill McInturf, Jennifer Agesta, and MSNBC's Steve Kornacki. These voters, these Trump, Sanders-Trump swing voters, are going to swing it again. And maybe that would suppress voter turnout. I don't know how, but that's the message 
that the Facebook groups don't want to hear, apparently. Bernie groups, even Bernie or bust Facebook groups, they're in name only, by the way, they don't want there to be an or bust. They don't want to pull out of the Democratic Party if Bernie is cheated again. They don't want people to stay home or vote third party. They want the sheep to stay in their damn pasture. That's what they want. So you pundits, you're, you're complicit. You Facebook moderators and admins, you're complicit if you don't let this word get out. Bernie or Bus Television is trying to tell this word, tell this story, get this message out to people so that they understand if it's not Bernie, it's going to be Trump. These swing voters by themselves last time denied Hillary the presidency. And they will deny Warren, they will deny Klobuchar, Buttigieg, or Biden this time. Guaranteed. You may not agree with our conclusion, but these swing voters are in fact a fraction of Sanders supporters that Democrats should know about as they consider who is the most electable. These roughly one and a half million swing voters were one category of voter who caused Clinton to lose in 2016, all by themselves. Other categories were the millions of Democrats who didn't vote at all, 1.7 million citizens who voted and left the first line in the ballot blank, that word hasn't been getting out, and the 8.5 million Obama-Trump voters. We believe the Sanders-Trump swing voters to be a subsection of the Obama-Trump swing voters. 76% of the Obama-Trump voters approve of Trump's presidency, so you might not get them back. But you can get back the Sanders-Trump voters. For comparison, the better-known Bernie or Bus voters were about 1 million strong in 2016. So if you want them to vote blue, it has to be Bernie. Democracy dies in darkness. How about shining a light on these Sanders-Trump swing voters? And then he has another web page. I'll put that near the top of the information section below so that you can find it easily. This memorandum from Victor Tiffany. John Cusack, I'm going to give him the last word. I'm going to let him talk directly to Mr. Brooks about what we're trying to do regarding class war. Has the world caught up to Bernie Sanders' moral vision? Yes? Look, it's up to us, but there are some encouraging signs. Um, the corporate media, as I said, you know, they used to hate us and then they ignored us and then they acted like we weren't there and now they just seem really confused about it. They're not confused. Mr. Brooks knows. They're mansplaining. They're oligarchsplaining. They're oligarchsplaining to us workers that we just need to shut the fuck up and go back to work. So they still hate us. But they need us. So that's why you, you are confused here a little bit. But they're not confused. Um, Wall Street hates us. Drug companies hate us. Insurance companies? Yeah, hate us. Fossil fuel companies? Military industrial complex? And the 1% of the 1%? No, they don't hate us. You know what it is? They fear us. That's where we need to leave it. Dear New York Times, yes, it is a class war, and you are going to lose.
get on board the Bernier bus train. Come get on board the Bernier bus train. Once you hear that clickety clack, there ain't no time for turning back. Come get on board the Bernier bus train. The preceding episode can be viewed on the YouTube channel. Bernie or Bust Television.